Hey everyone, this is Sarah. You might have noticed that there was no new episode of The Reheat last week. That's because we're currently taking a short hiatus to record this next batch of episodes for what I promise will be our funniest, most illuminating, and salacious run yet. We're back on May 2nd with a deep dive on the Smith family. From punching aliens in the face to coming up with new words for infidelity, this family has had a massive influence on pop culture, and we're going to walk you through all of it. By that time, the Oscar controversy will seem like old news, which makes it perfect for the reheat. In the meantime, we'd like to re-release one of our favorite episodes so far. Back in November, Sadaf and I talked about Tiger Woods and his massive cheating scandal in the OOs. You'll hear me in this episode question whether Tiger will ever be the player he once was. And he must have heard me too, because this weekend he made his big comeback at the Masters in Augusta, Georgia, just 14 months after suffering a horrific leg injury and yet another car crash. As of this recording, we don't know exactly how he fared, but the comeback in itself shows incredible grit and tenacity. I hope he proves me wrong. In this episode, Sadaf and I talk about infidelity, sex addiction, and the incredible pressure of being the best, among other things. We had so much fun with this one, and we hope you'll enjoy listening to it again. And if you're a newer listener, let this be the thing that encourages you to check out our back catalog. There's so much good stuff in there. Either way, mark it down on your calendar. New episodes of The Reheat coming your way beginning on May 2nd. Get excited! You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. He's in the building! Drink the moment. Drink it. That's an empty your mind. Coquettish and coy. Ow! What? Yeah, there's people that are dying. The wickedly talented. More than great. It was historic. Crack is world. Oh, good for you. I have to apologize. One of the hottest. Hello, and welcome back to The Reheat, a podcast that re-examines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks, how would we react to the same events if they transpired today? I'm your co-host, Sadaf Hassan. And I'm Sarah Sahagian. Today, we'll be discussing one of the biggest sports and celebrity cheating scandals of the 21st century. I'm talking, of course, about Tiger Woods. So, Sadaf, are you a Tiger fan? Are you a golf fan? Golf fan barely registers to me. I don't understand golf. Therefore, I don't understand golf players. I don't understand Tiger Woods. I don't know much about the sport, and I didn't really know too much about him until his scandal, of course. Um, Sarah, are you a golfer by any chance? I'm not, but a lot of people in my family are. And growing up, we were firmly team Tiger. We loved Tiger Woods. My brother worshipped him. So did my father. We went on a family vacation to Disney World once. And from the vantage point of a boat that was taking us to downtown Disney, as it was then called, we saw Tiger practicing. And it was the highlight of the trip. Like, this was such a big deal in my family. That Tiger was the highlight at Disney. That really says something. I know, because I love rides. (laughs) But he just transcended the sport because he was so talented. Like, there was this sense that you were watching sports history when you were watching him, that there would never be anyone as talented. There would never be 
anyone who was such a vibrant player who was so much fun to watch by golf standards. I mean, I don't want to be snarky. There are lots of people who genuinely have fun watching golf. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I mean, he is the one who kind of made golf hot, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word. I mean, I don't think I even really knew that golf existed before Tiger Woods. You know what I mean? He really put it on a platform, and that says a lot. Oh, yeah. I could remember girls at my school in middle and high school fantasizing about marrying Tiger Woods, right? Like, he was a heartthrob. I'm excited to learn more. I'm excited to learn more. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Tiger burst onto the international golf scene in 1996 at just 20 years old. In 1997, the Stanford dropout made history as the first racialized man to win the Masters. By June of that year, at just 20 years old, he was already world famous and number one in the world rankings. Born to a Black father and Thai mother, the California-born Tiger changed the face of golf. Tiger looked and acted completely different from the other pros he handily beat on the course. He had a habit of fist-pumping excitedly when he made an important shot and scored endorsement deals with hip, youthful brands like Nike. In an article for ESPN, Doug Williams writes, He was compelling, a perfect blend of talent and charisma, suited for a growing American diversity and the digital age. TV ratings, galleries, and prize money all increased significantly. People had to watch. Woods dragged golf, a sport most Americans have never played, into the land of cool. So what about Tiger was so cool, Zadaf? I know you're not like a huge golf person, but knowing what you know about him, what was so appealing to the American public? Well, there's this line that the Nike chairman said at the time that I still remember here and there. He essentially said, Tiger is doing for golf what Michael Jordan did for basketball. And I think there's a lot to that. It's like we were saying before, he put it on a platform and he made it fun and exciting. And he was a celebrity golfer. I don't think, I personally didn't know of a celebrity golfer before Tiger. And he made it popular and he made it cool to like golfing, which is really interesting. I mean, even though I wasn't a personal fan, I could see that and I could appreciate it. I think even the fact that he was able to get these endorsement deals, he had a certain style to him, a certain bravado. There was just a whole vibe of cool that was around him. Absolutely. I mean, golf was a sport that was associated with rich, old white men, and he was doing a small part to make it more inclusive. It's still very expensive and very difficult for people who aren't affluent to play. But let's not underestimate the value of a racialized person becoming a star. Like, that does make kids growing up think, like, maybe I can find a place for myself in golf. In 2001, Tiger met Elon Nordegren, a Swedish national who was working as a nanny for fellow golfer Jesper Parnevek. According to Jesper, Woods had noticed Elon on the golf scene and had been asking for the intro for a while. In a 2002 interview, his wife, Mia Parnevek, said of Elon, there was a big line of golfers wanting to meet her. They were gaga for her. Tiger won Elon over, and in 2004, they were married at the exclusive Sandy Lane Resort in Barbados. Their wedding was covered by all the usual celebrity glossies who jumped at the chance to write about the beautiful young couple. My favorite coverage of the wedding comes from People magazine, who wrote, quote, He didn't act like he was going to get married. He was very relaxed, like this was any other day for him. In hindsight, this quote is pretty telling. What do you think, Steph? I think it could totally be a red flag. Is he a sociopath or is he just super in love and satisfied and confident in his love? What do you think, Sarah? Um, he is an athlete who 
consistently performs under pressure. So maybe the pressure of a wedding is nothing to him. I, I don't know. But like a master's tournament doesn't last that long. Marriage is in theory forever. So you'd think that <laughs> you just think that he would care a little bit more, at least that it would be visible that he cared. I don't know. I just feel like it's a red flag. This is good. This is another red flag for all of us to look out for. Let's add it to the already very long list. Thank you, Sarah. Over the next few years, Tiger and Elon expanded their perfect-looking family to include two adorable children, Sam and Charlie. The couple settled in an 8,000-square-foot mansion in Windermere, a ritzy suburb of Orlando. So they basically lived at Disney World. How much more American can you get? I love it. <laughs> in the late 00s, Tiger was one of America's favorite family men. He was on track to becoming the goat of golf, and his net worth was already in the nine figures. Tiger was living the American dream. Until he wasn't. During American Thanksgiving in 2009, a time when most of the country stays inside to enjoy a highly problematic but delicious settler colonial holiday, the Woods family's veneer of domestic bliss would be shattered forever when Tiger crashed his SUV into a fire hydrant and then a tree, just steps away from his home. This accident sparked a firestorm of media speculation. The speculation fed in large part by the revelation that his wife had tried to smash the car window in an attempt to enter the locked vehicle. So Tiger later insisted that the golf club incident only happened after the car accident, that his wife was trying to smash the window to free him. For the record, Tiger has not ever contradicted that narrative, and it is just as plausible as a scorned woman running after him with a golf club, but <laughs> definitely a less sexist and more heroic image. Yes. So you can tell why the media was like, no, 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 we want to believe that she was chasing him with a golf club because she was mad at him. Yes. And... We're assuming it's because he cheated. Uh, Sadaf, it was pretty shocking. So what did you theorize had happened? I mean, what I remember is, because it also happened at 3 a.m., so it was a really strange hour of the night, and it wasn't clear if he was going somewhere and also where was he going at that time or if he was coming. Mm -hmm. And then I also remember Elon's parents were commenting on it. I remember this specifically because they were very cagey and responded in a way that would suggest that something else was going on, but that they didn't want to comment on it, which only added fuel to the fire. But I was also looking for a fire because I will admit I wanted there to be a little bit of mess there because I thought it would be fun and exciting. And I think that's what a lot of people were expecting. But I also did think with the specific golf club incident, it really just seemed like she was trying to get him out. I don't think it was a Britney moment where, you know, she was losing her shit and trying to break it in or whatever that might be. And by the way, even if that was the case, I think she probably had good reason for it. Yeah, I, I mean, fair enough. It, like, there are so many reasons why if you felt physically threatened by your partner, you might do that just as a use the golf club as a prop if you wanted him to leave. Like, I'm not justifying violence. Or if you were letting out a lot of anger and steam and there was a window right there to smash in. Go for it, Elon. Yeah, it is also possible that, like, you might not want to hit your partner with the golf clubs, but you might want to, like, hit some of his stuff. You know? <laughs> we're doing a you lot of theorizing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we're doing a lot of theorizing yeah. here. And the truth is, Tiger 
said and never contradicted that his wife was trying to rescue him. And like a golf club would be a useful way to try to rescue someone who was trapped in a car. Like, and they have plenty of golf clubs on hand, right? Exactly. And if he's already been kind of not a great guy, but you got to save him from the situation, you happen to smash his golf club in the meantime. You know what? Two birds with one stone. Good job, Elon. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Win-win. So, Days before the Thanksgiving 2009 car crash, the National Enquirer released a report about an alleged affair between Woods and an NYC-based nightclub manager named Rachel Yucatel. And let me just say, the National Enquirer, no one has ever been more wrong than the National Enquirer, who did report lies after lies. This was an actual thing. Yeah, so you have some plausible liability there. Like, you don't, I would say, as a celebrity, have to be too worried when the National Enquirer reports a scandal about you if the mainstream media doesn't pick it up. No, that's fan fiction. Yeah. As evidence, the tabloid managed to score shots of Yucatel entering Wood's hotel when he was playing golf in Australia, a trip Elon missed to stay home with the kids. Reports from the Daily Beast say that the day before the Enquirer story went live, Tiger put Elon on the phone with Rachel, who insisted there was no truth to the forthcoming tabloid story. However, Elon figured that where there's smoke, there's fire. When Tiger left his phone unattended later that day, she looked through it and found more incriminating evidence, the contact info for a young woman named Jamie Grubbs. Elon called Grubbs and, according to the New York Post, left the following message. Quote, you know who this is because you are fucking my husband. Ooh. I defy anyone to say they would be more dignified in a situation like this. <laughs> I would say worse. I would say a lot and I would say worse. So I think this is so easily understandable. My God. The next day, Elon read the details of her husband's alleged affair with Rachel in the Inquirer. She learned that the two had reportedly begun the relationship only four months after the birth of their son. So that is a bullet to the heart, right? Like you're pretty newly postpartum. You're a mom of two. You're doing all this work in the domestic sphere so your husband can continue to be one of the greatest golfers who's ever lived. And then he's cheating on you. Like, I mean, that is pretty devastating. It's pretty tough. And what I find interesting is even in the Inquirer's point that she she missed the previous trip where he had the affair because she was at home with her children. I mean, it sets her up to be somebody who is a very sympathetic character. But she is sympathetic anyway, because as you said, she was home with the children. She had just had a child. It makes it all the more reprehensible that he was out, quote unquote, philandering. I can see how like the littlest thing can be devastating when you're at home and you're postpartum and yeah. you're making so many sacrifices for your family. So this must have been huge. Yeah. On Thanksgiving night, Elon once again took her husband's phone and looked this time for Rachel's number, the very same woman who had personally assured her that the story was a fabrication. Her snooping revealed a text that read, you are the only one I've ever loved. And that was allegedly from Tiger to Rachel. Disgusting. Yeah. I I don't know how you come back from that. Like, I mean, you don't, because even if it's not true, he said it. It's terrible. There's something happening here. It's undeniable at this point. Being the genius detective that Elon is, she started texting sweet nothings to Rachel as Tiger. So she should be a private investigator. Like this woman, she's good at this. She has a talent. I love this. Yeah, this is a good development. Yeah. Eventually, she called Rachel and declared, I know everything. Dun, dun, dun. 
So armed with the electronic evidence she needed, Elan decided to confront her husband about the affair. Uh, Since Tiger is an insomniac, it's speculated that he was woozy from taking sleep aids and was a bit disoriented when he fled his house because his wife was angry and he didn't want to have the confrontation. What a detail. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry. That makes me crack up. So it's thought that it's likely that what contributed to the car crash was the fact that he had taken sleep aids. Elon did sit with Tiger to wait for EMS after he was rescued, and their neighbors called 911 because they were woken up by the commotion. So this became pretty public pretty quickly, right? Like, already it wasn't a private family matter because, you know, there are neighbors involved, EMS gets called, it happens at three in the morning. Like, it's pretty dramatic news. Yeah. Over the next few days, evidence of Tiger's serial infidelity became incontrovertible. So it's no longer just in the Inquirer. Explicit texts allegedly sent between Jamie Grubbs and Tiger became public when Grubbs shared them with the media. In one message, the sender, who was probably Tiger, said he wanted Grubbs, quote, naked body as a birthday present. In another, he reportedly said, I will wear you out. Um, And I don't think he was talking about playing golf. (laughs) Correct. I would agree with you, Sarah, on that one. Even more damning, Grubb shared a voicemail of Tiger imploring her to help him cover up his affair. So what happened was that he phoned her, urging Jamie to take the name off of her voicemail. So, you know, when you leave a voicemail on someone's phone, they typically say, hey, it's Sadaf, or hey, it's Sarah. In this case, hey, it's Jamie. Right. He was like, okay, can you please take it off so it's just your phone number and my wife won't realize that it's you was his thought process. I think he was really underestimating Elon as a detective here. Let me add, this was a little bit more than a decade ago. Google did exist. She could have Googled the number. There are other ways to hunt down this person. Yeah, Tiger, like, on one level, is clearly a very smart person. Golf is a very cerebral game. He got into Stanford. He didn't graduate. But, like, you know, it's a very competitive university. On another level, he's really bad at being a serial philanderer. Like, he is really not very bright in this area of his life. Actually, I'd love to make a PSA right here. If you want to cheat, if you're considering this, you got to be smart. Please don't be this stupid. If that's an endeavor you would like to pursue, be a little more clever about it. Be a little more slick. Please, I beg you. Yeah, like, put some thought into your cheating strategy if you're going to do it. Like, just don't think you can wing it, especially if you're cheating with as many people as it later turns out Tiger was. And if you're famous. Soon, a slew of other women were linked to Woods, including porn star Holly Sampson, catalog model Corey Rist, and Las Vegas nightclub executive Kalika Mogan. Many of the women with whom Tiger had affairs came forward themselves, but it's worth noting that, even if they hadn't, the tabloids would have investigated ruthlessly until they unearthed more dirt. If you're going to be outed as having an affair with Tiger Woods at some point in your life, you may as well have control over the narrative. At least, that's how I feel. What about you, Zedaf? I completely agree, yeah, because there's another person involved in all of these stories when they are put into the tabloids, but it's usually only the famous figure who has any voice. Mm -hmm. We've learned this in all the stories that we've covered so far. That other person deserves a voice, too, and if they can have any kind of control, they should grab it. Yeah, it just, it's a good strategy. 
In December of 2009, famed Hollywood madam Michelle Braun also claimed Woods had spent a combined total of $60,000 on appointments with escorts from her agency between 2005 and 2006, when he was already married to Elon. Oh, God. So over the years, it's been speculated by tabloids that Woods may have cheated on Elon with as many as 120 women. To me, the number 120 suggests a definite sex addiction. I don't think, even if you are a serial cheater, that you sleep with this many people cheating on your wife over a period of a few years if you don't have a problem. I would like to believe that that's the reason. I think some people are just serial cheaters, and that's how they operate. But it's two different things, right? But as you said, we'll get into it in a bit. So all of the women to whom Tiger was connected were unfairly slut-shamed by the public. But as we pointed out in our episode on Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie, let's remember that no one can force a man to cheat on his wife. While it's not a good thing to have an affair with a man you know is married, while I would say that that is definitely a mistake, you are not the primary moral agent here if you were doing that. And these women are all members of the community who have done many things in their lives, and they do not deserve to be defined by the relationship they had with Tiger when he was married. That is, I think, I think that that is self-evident. I agree with you, Sarah, first of all, and I think also we still live in a very misogynistic society. That's just the truth, and it's probably going to be around for the rest of our lifetimes. Yay. But I also think people still see, because of that, People still see women in that sort of interloper view as the woman who's coming in to be the seductress and to take the man away from her family. That is a stereotype that is around in very many cultures, including Western cultures. It still exists. And as we discussed before, while I do think that person is partially responsible. I think the person who holds the majority of the responsibility is the one in the primary relationship because you are the one who is cheating. (laughs) This is on you. Mm -hmm. But it's also not the more interesting story, right? What's more interesting is that there were all these other very attractive women out there who we could more easily blame and stick their faces on a tabloid next to Elon's and make that the battle. (laughs) When really, I actually don't care to know about the other women. That's the other part of it. When I was hearing about this, I wasn't really buying into that. I was buying into what's happening between the couple. So I think there's those two sides. And I do think things have changed a little over time, where now we do give a little bit more lip service to that person. What do you think, Sarah? Is it still the way that it used to be? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look at how Olivia Munn is being skewered in the media. Like, people are so mad at her, and she just hooked up with John Mulaney. He's not nearly as famous as Tiger Woods. Yeah. It's a part of our culture, and it's so normalized that I think a lot of us don't recognize it as misogyny when that's exactly what it is. Um, So on December 12th, 2009, Tiger cried uncle. He accepted defeat in the press, and while still the number one ranked golfer in the world, announced he would be taking an indefinite break from the sport to work on his personal life. He wanted to work on his personal life. He wanted to see if he could save his marriage, or at least that's what he told us publicly. Um, And no one wanted to give him the privacy. There continued to be relentless tabloid coverage of this series of sex scandals. Like, there was also a summary of the alleged mistresses in the Globe and Mail, Canada's newspaper of record. So this was so mainstream that highbrow publications were covering it too. It was not just celeb glossies and tabloids. It was everyone, and it was for months. 
Yeah, this went on for a while, and it was all over the sports media, too. Mm-hmm. So in an article for the Washington Post published on December 12th of 2009, sports columnist Michael Wilbon wrote, The flames of the brush fire that is the Tiger Woods scandal burn so out of control, they now threaten the career of the greatest golfer and most accomplished athlete on the face of the earth. <laughs> and I have to say that the statement, the public statement that Tiger revealed on November 29th, like immediately following the crash before all the other mistresses became public, like that also didn't do him any favors and it got a lot of criticism. So I'll quote that now. He said, although I understand there is curiosity, the many false, unfounded and malicious rumors that are currently circulating about my family and me are irresponsible. He said, my wife, Elin, acted courageously when she saw I was hurt and in trouble. She was the first person to help me. Any other assertion is absolutely false. But even just saying that there are other assertions and addressing them makes people think like, methinks the gentleman doth protest too much, right? Like, this was a really poor media response. At the same time, like, okay, so he made a miscalculation in the media. He didn't handle it perfectly. He didn't crisis manage perfectly. Like, I still have empathy for the fact that, like, it got out of control and then it made it really hard for him to manage his personal life and his family life and try to deal with the mess he'd created. Like, this wasn't just a big story in the tabloids and the newspapers. It also was big on SNL. So for their part, they parodied the car crash in a vulgar skit starring guest star Blake Lively as Elon and Kenan Thompson as Tiger. And that aired just after the car crash. I, uh, I have not been true to my values and uh, the behavior my family deserves. Look, I'm not perfect. I'm uh, far short of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will strive to be a better person and the, the husband and father my family deserves. Yeah, you will. Yeah. For all of those who uh, have supported me over the years, I offer my profound apology for these multiple transgressions. Multiple? So it happened more than once? D- did I say multiple? Because <laughs> This just in, Tiger Woods is back in the hospital. I really, really hate to admit this, but there is a tiny part of me that kind of let out a little bit of a giggle very quietly. Um, Listen, domestic abuse is not funny. SNL is rarely funny to me. Like, it is shocking if it ever is. And so this is really something. But I think what I will say is they do manage to make this into something that's even more of a spectacle than it already was. And the thing that bothers me most about it, again, even though I laughed a little bit, is that they're kind of making Tiger out to be the victim in this case. And I really hate that. And the fact that it did make me laugh makes me even angrier because then they do sort of win a little bit of that where I find myself sympathizing with Tiger a little bit. And I'm disgusted to say that. But it's also a little bit of the consequence of comedy like this, right? And I'm glad you bring it up because it is a key part of the way that media presented this whole story. This was the other side of it. SNL's majority of viewers are male. It makes you wonder, is this the male perspective? I'm not saying it is, but it does make you wonder. Yeah, and so that was just a brief clip, but the whole skit is so much more problematic. So in the skit, Tiger ends up in the hospital several times because of injuries inflicted by his, quote, deceptively strong (laughs) wife. Tiger issues apologetic press statements with absurd excuses for his accidents, including the lie, I ran over myself. 
Um, and he does so while an angry Elon stands in the background looking menacing. At one point, Tiger holds up a sign that reads, help me. <laughs> so they really are going hard on the idea that Tiger here is the victim. Yeah. And they're portraying Elon without any actual evidence that this is the case as like a domestic abuser. Yes. And it's interesting because infidelity is not the same as beating up your partner. But cheating on your partner with over 100 women, especially when they're in a vulnerable state and they've just had two children, is definitely emotionally abusive. So there is this dynamic where he's a horrible husband who has traumatized her and she's somehow being portrayed by SNL as the villain, right? As the heavy, the person who has the power to inflict more damage. And that is such a misrepresentation of a power imbalance when you marry one of the most famous and richest athletes in the world and you're staying home raising his two kids. Yeah, and it also just kind of puts her more in that box of the crazy woman who Mm -hmm. is not only so enraged that her husband has done this and so pissed off at the other women and whatever, whatever, but she's also just physically taking it out on him and is a hearing more monstrous and just absurd when she has every right to be upset. And what I would love to see is a version of the skit where it's actually the roles reversed. I don't want to see any of the domestic abuse, but I would have loved to see something where actually she's not the one who's being the monster and he's not playing the victim because that wasn't the case. It's inevitable that shows like this are going to poke fun at stories in the headlines, but there's got to be a better way to do it. Punch up. Missed opportunity and it shows you you need more women in the SNL writers' rooms. At least you definitely did in 2009. Yes. In January of 2010, Tiger checked into a program for sex addiction at Pine Grove Behavioral Health and Addiction Services. So he did access help. Um, After his stay was complete, he held a press conference in February 2010. At this event, he addressed his demons and publicly apologized to his family. He also admitted that while it was hard for him to say so, he did need help. But he expressed the need to work and to do extensive work to prove himself to his wife and to rehabilitate his marriage, acknowledging that it would be the way he acted and not the things he said that would prove to his wife he really, truly was contrite. Many of you have cheered for me, or you worked with me, or you supported me. Now, every one of you has good reason to be critical of me. I want to say to each of you simply and directly, I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. So after explaining how remorseful he felt about his actions and acknowledging that he had been, as he said, completely irresponsible, Tiger took pains to emphasize that Elon had not actually hit him with his golf club on Thanksgiving, despite SNL's unfunny speculations that she had. He insists once again there had has never been a single incident of domestic violence in his home. After the press conference concludes, Tiger can be seen giving a prolonged hug to his mother, Coltita Woods, who was sitting in the front row during her son's address. So that moment... That felt a little bit gross to me. Um, it kind of felt like he was trying to whitewash what he had done by showing, like, my mom loves me, my mom forgives me, and his mom seems like such a lovely person, right? Um, and it's a very wholesome moment, but 
it almost felt like he was trying to escape accountability by making it seem like it's okay. You can forgive me. Look, my mom still is affectionate towards me. What do you think? Sarah, I actually remember watching this because I remember thinking it would be so great if he could just squeeze out a tear right now. And Mm -hmm. I almost felt like he would because the whole thing felt so orchestrated by a publicist, by a team of media people, because here he is still on that publicity train where he's trying to, quote unquote, fix his reputation and his image, which at this point, I can see why he feels like he has to do. People have completely written him off and that does make a difference when you want to be seen as the same old hero of golf that you were, which I still can't believe is a concept, but there we are. So that does kind of crack me up. But at the same time, I am glad that he did go into rehab for sex addiction. I just hope that it was an actual real effort rather than something that was just done for media purposes. I I share your skepticism. Like, it could be that a crisis manager told him he had to do it. I believe he has a sex addiction. Like, I believe that that is true. I do, too. I do, too. (laughs) And it could be a situation where both things are true. It could be that he needed to go for personal reasons and that this was medical attention he required. It could also be that it was necessary to salvage his career. I just kind of felt it was really gross the way he was, like, in my opinion, his mom becomes a prop here. And it could have been a completely organic, spontaneous hug. But the cynical part of me says that he was media trained to do that. If it was me and I was just itching to go to my mom for a little bit of soothing, I would wait until the cameras had dispersed. I think I would just keep it together. So it is interesting the way that this also gets a little bit more sympathy out of us, isn't it? That's what I find so fascinating about it. Starting from the SNL sketch, I start to feel a little bit of feelings for Tiger and what he might be going through. Sarah, when did you start to feel a little bit more empathy for him in this entire situation? Honestly, I was researching this episode. I realized Mm. like, okay, sex addiction is real and we as a society still don't always accept that. Like there's a real stigma attached. Let's think about other celebrities who suffer from this condition, including um, David Duchovny and Russell Brand. They've admitted to sex addiction and People don't always have a lot of sympathy for that. I mean, we know substances can be addictive. We know so many things can be addictive. But when it comes to sex addiction, I think there's this stereotype that you don't actually have a health problem. You are just immoral or, you know, you... (laughs) You're selfish. Sex addiction does ruin lives. And I know that that can be hard to sometimes digest because Mm -hmm. sex addiction is one of the ones that's a little more contemptible than the others. There is a stigma, obviously. That doesn't mean that it's not real. It very much is. You can go research this. And that's because there's a lot of shame attached to it, too. So if this is something that Tiger was going through, and I agree with you, Sarah, I think he was. I think maybe he even still is. There is probably a huge bit of it that was so much shame that he was experiencing while he was going through it. So if you also put him in front of the world, oh my God. I mean, I can only imagine how that must have felt. This goes back to the thing that the fan base does feel like they have also been cheated on and felt like they were betrayed of who they thought that he was. And this is, again, why we need more media literacy, because, again, these celebrities don't owe us shit, least of all an apology for cheating on their wife. Mm -hmm. So Tiger and Elon were ultimately unable to rebuild their marriage, which is very 
that for them personally, but not for us. Again, it's not our marriage. Oh. The couple separated and their divorce was finalized on August 23rd, 2010, well under a year after the cheating scandal became public. So it just seemed like it was impossible that these obstacles were insurmountable and that they figured that out pretty quickly. Like, if I were Elon, it would have been over for me when I read that text from Tiger that said to his mistress, like, basically, you're the only woman I've ever loved. Like, I wouldn't have been able to come back from that. It's one thing to know that your husband has cheated on you with one woman. It's another thing to know that it was 120 and possibly more women. So I don't even know that it's a bad thing that the marriage didn't work out. I think it was a good thing. It clearly was not working for either of them. No. And I mean, they might, it just would have been more trauma to try to work through what happened. So sometimes it's best to say, like, we're not going to do that. We're just going to part ways as amicably as possible. In 2010, Elin gave an interview to People Magazine, so they did a profile of her shortly after the divorce. When they interviewed her, she was still finalizing her divorce. They estimated that she received $100 million in the settlement. So, I mean, she she walked away with a good amount of money. That does not make up for what Tiger did. I am no. not trying to say that it erases the ways he traumatized and betrayed his wife. But, I mean, I'm glad that she is economically secure. That is the least he can do is give her enough money to have no financial worries for the rest of her life. Because it's also worth noting in the relationship, he was the breadwinner, right? She was Mm -hmm. taking care of the kids. That was what she was doing. I think that's also worth considering when you look at what the money that she received in the end. Absolutely. So the People magazine for Elon was breaking nine months of silence. She hadn't beforehand spoken publicly about the scandal. So one of the quotes that I um, find interesting that she gave to people is, I have been through the stages of disbelief and shock to anger and ultimately grief over the loss of the family I so badly wanted for my children. So here, a lot of what she's talking about, and I think what was absent from much of the media coverage is like, she's kids. (laughs) Like It wasn't just Elin who had to see this coverage, but his children, who were very little at the time, as they grow up, will know that this happened. So the relentless, rabid media coverage of this scandal will impact them. Yeah, because again, she doesn't just lose a husband. They see their father in a different way than they did before. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. In the interview, Elin makes clear she was blindsided by her husband's extramarital affairs. She confides, quote, I'm so embarrassed that I never suspected not a one. For the last three and a half years, when all this was going on, I was home a lot more with pregnancies than the children and my school. I just, I, God, I feel so terrible for her. I just want to give her a hug. What about you, Steph? Oh, it's so heartbreaking, Sarah. I already, I already have so many feelings towards women who are the primary caregivers as it is in a household. And There's so much speculation that's placed on people who, you know, women especially when it's like, how could you not know? How could you not know your husband was embroiled in this and that or whatever? Well, sometimes the case is that you are dealing with a million other things and you do miss it because there's also an inherent trust maybe. I can't speak for them. I don't know. But it does just make it all the more so tough to digest. No, she was stereotyped as the quote unquote like crazy wife. And It's so unfair. And it must have been particularly hard for her because she was actually studying psychology in school. (laughs) I Um, didn't know that. Well, all the irony. Everybody playing armchair psychologist with her must have been particularly infuriating because she had some expertise in that subject. Um, The people interview, though, I have to say, is ultimately pretty uplifting. Elon says, 
I also feel stronger than I ever have. I have confidence in my beliefs, my decisions, and myself. The piece mentions that she will soon be completing a university degree in psychology. In addition, it describes Tiger and Elon as pretty functional and civil co-parents to their two small children. Elon actually found a house just a mile away from Tiger's, and that's where she was living at the time of this profile. Yeah, I'm so glad that they're able to have a good co-parenting situation. And there were just photos out earlier this year of them being able to do that together out with their kids. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. I actually feel like this is a very happy divorce. Like it might not have been a happy marriage, but it seems like this is this is a pretty functional yeah. example of what Gwyneth would call conscious. Yes, uncoupling. this is the divorce you want. Uh, so today, Elon has a new partner, former NFL player Jordan Cameron. In 2019, she and Jordan welcomed Elon's third child, a son named Arthur. Pre-pandemic, she and Tiger could also be seen at their son Charlie's golf games and their daughter's soccer games. Charlie is already a golf prodigy capable of beating most adult players. So, I mean, I guess it's in the genes. I hope that's the only thing that's in the genes. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope. (laughs) For his part, Tiger's image has never fully been rehabilitated. Sports writer Brad Callis writes of Tiger's return to golf after his stint in rehab. Quote, Tiger had gone from sport's greatest hero to its most loathed villain. Gone was the exuberance that sprang from excellence, and in its place, a distant-looking golfer who carried himself in a timid manner. It was not until 2012 that Tiger finally reclaimed his number one spot thanks to three PGA wins. However, his golf game was soon compromised by a series of health crises. Tiger has undergone multiple back surgeries, Like many Americans, he also suffers from an addiction to painkillers and sleep aids. And in 2017, he was arrested for a DUI. Shortly after, Tiger again checked into rehab, this time for substance use issues. The golfer also sustained serious injuries from a car crash in February of 2021. According to the authorities, this incident was not a DUI. However, because of that crash, Tiger is currently on an extended break from competition. At age 45, it's unlikely Tiger will ever be number one again. Now it's time for Hindsight is 2021, the segment where Sadaf and I discuss what we would have done differently if we were players in this week's scandal. I shouldn't have done that. So what would you have done differently? What I wish was different in society is that we didn't completely tear somebody down for something like this. Either player not just the person who does it, but also the victim of it. When I think Mm. of Elon or I think of Tiger, who are both still in the tabloids, I just think of the scandal. I was also never a golf fan, though. So to me, this is the thing that I think of when I think of either of them. And the fact that it was enough to bring down his entire career is devastating. But, you know, he did that to himself. So I also can't fault it too much. What I wish was different is that the sex addiction point was a bigger point and that it is something that had less stigma. And we could talk about it more because the first time this happened, sex addiction was not the bigger story. It was mentioned here and there. And even when it was, it was done with a wink and a laugh. I don't think if this had happened today, personally, that the media would be any easier on him, or I still don't think we live in a society that fully accepts that sex addiction is real. A good male friend of mine literally said to me, oh, sex addiction isn't real. That's just an excuse men who don't have self-control use. 
And I think there's a lot of medical evidence that sex addiction is real. If you can apply that reasoning to any other kind of addiction, then there you go, right? Because you could say that for alcohol, you could say that for drugs. It's not that different. It's just harder to believe because it's more contemptible. That's what the truth is. And again, we're not saying that's an excuse. Ultimately, there was philandering. Ultimately, somebody was hurt. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so ultimately, the story of Tiger Woods is one of the most epic falls from grace in modern sports. To our knowledge, Tiger has never cheated at the game of golf, but cheating on his wife completely changed the way the world saw him. Tiger certainly hurt his family with his infidelities. As he wrestled with his sex addiction, he behaved recklessly and selfishly. But this scandal also makes you wonder if part of the culpability in the story of a fallen hero lies with the fans and our tendency to make heroes and role models out of people just because they have talent. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Next week, we'll be discussing Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's contentious divorce. If you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Sahakian. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me at underscore Sadafasan. And if you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us. Thanks for listening. 